Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle, and on today's episode, a quick 2022 NBA draft recap, and then I'm joined by Gibby and Austin for a 2017 NBA redraft. But before we get there, let's start with the draft recap. The big surprise on draft night was Paolo Bancaro going number one. A smaller surprise was Keegan Murray going number four instead of Jaden Ivey. But aside from that, it was a pretty straightforward draft night. But before we just move on and start focusing on the offseason and free agency, I want to recap some lessons learned so that we remember this going into the 2023 NBA draft. The number one lesson is don't change the method behind betting the number one pick. Orlando surprised everyone, including Paolo Bancaro himself on draft night. But next year, the number one pick is Victor Wembanyama. The method, when I say don't change the method, the method is take the early favorite and wait for groupthink to further those odds and then hedge. This is exactly what I did last night and was going to come away multiple units regardless of the first pick was Paolo, Jabari, or Chet. The second lesson If a wing and a big are around the same draft spot, bet on the wing to be drafted first. The wing revolution is in full tilt. KD even tweeted about it during the draft, and we saw it with AJ Griffin and Duran going over, and guys like Sohan, Johnny Davis, Usman Jang, Jalen Williams, all cashing on their unders. The third point is to reflect on the sources that we followed. For one, we could trust Ryan Rosillo. He had Paolo Bancaro going number one the whole time. And then he happened to have Jeff Weltman, the GM of the Magic, on his podcast the very next morning after the draft. He also said Usman Jang had a promise at 14, but was not likely to be there. That was at the time where Jang's over-under was 15 and a half. Rosillo doesn't say much. But when he does say stuff, the intel is real. Kevin O'Connor. He had perfect intel on late lottery and late first round picks. He spoke questionably and opinion based about the top seven-ish picks. And then when he was talking about like the the mid-teens and then the 20s, he was very confident about Jang, Dalen Terry, Jalen Williams, and he was right on all of them. Next is Jonathan Gavoni, and he was the source for all things Portland Trailblazers. Portland recently hired ESPN's Mike Schmidt, and Gavoni took over Schmidt's role, and he has direct access to Blazers Intel. Many people thought Shaden Sharp wasn't a fit with Portland, yet Gavoni had him going there in his last mock and nailed it. Last, it seems like Sacramento Kings leaks are real leaks. It was known they were going against consensus at four and taking Murray over Ivy if they didn't trade the pick. Somehow, what the Kings are going to do is always sort of known, and they are frequently in the lottery and bet-worthy. Last, and this kind of circles back to the first point, is bet early and generally bet favorites. When you do this, you get the group think, the, the idea of everyone coming into the market and saying the same thing, which then makes everyone even 
more firm in the same belief, even though they're just bouncing each other's same ideas off of each other. So when you bet early and you bet the favorites and then groupthink happens, everyone starts betting the favorite. And then the odds that you get become way more favorable. And then you can, as the line pushes in one direction, you can just hedge the other way and lock in profit. So the draft is often about betting early, securing hedges, following particular sources, understanding which rumors and which people we can really trust, and betting accordingly. And for that, we always need to know, and it's worth reflecting, which sources helped us become profitable so that we can go back to the well next year in the draft. Okay. After the draft, now that the draft has ended, there's always this the Pistons won the draft. OKC won the draft. The truth is we really don't know crap. And that's why the next segment, I'm joined by Gibby and Austin to do a 2017 NBA redraft. This was the draft of Fultz, Lonzo, and Tatum. And it just goes to show that we really don't know for about five years what the draft order should be. So we hopped in our DeLorean went back five years, and redrafted. It was a great conversation. It is going to become an annual tradition. I've already started working on my 2018 board, Don't Tell the Other Fellas, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, welcome back. We are now joined by two returning guests of the podcast, L. Trace, Gibby Graves. How you doing, Gib? Good, how you doing? I'm good, and our senior correspondent of basketball content, Austin Vernon. How you doing, A.V.? Good to be back. Appreciate the title uh, promotion. Every episode, new title. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> marketing manager next week. All right. So what we're doing here today, I prefaced it a little, a little bit in the opening to this podcast. In the wake of the now completed 2022 NBA draft, uh, this episode is coming out on Saturday. So this is the draft will be completed by the time this podcast is out. Uh, we are going to go back in time here. We are going to redraft the 2017 NBA draft. There's an old saying in the basketball world, kind of all sports world, that you don't actually know the results of the draft for five years. So right when the end of the draft happens, everyone gets these draft grades. What team did the best? Who's winning the offseason? Who's got the best rookies? We don't actually know any of that stuff, and if we go back in time and redraft the order, it kind of proves our point. So what we are doing today is going back in time and redrafting the 2017 draft from five years ago. This is going to become an annual tradition where every year, just after the draft, we are going to go back in time and redraft. So before we get started, fellas, I want to throw this to Gib. Gib, we've been talking draft stuff since 2010 which was a, a big, big draft for, you can see I'm wearing a Brooklyn Nets shirt, the New Jersey Nets at the time. It was the draft of John Wall, Evan Turner, and then the Nets ended up getting the third pick and getting Derek Favors. Now, I remember us being in school together, and you were the biggest, the biggest Evan Turner guy. He's going to be amazing. He's so much better than John Wall. The Nets, the Nets actually don't want the first pick. You should be lucky they got three. Let's hope that, that they get uh, Evan Turner. Uh, it, it, it was one of the most mistakable takes in a long time in regarding draft prospects. 
And right before the show, I threw it to you and I was like, I'm going to mention that moment because inevitably I've been making fun of you that you ruin draft prospects in the future. Every year I ask you, Gib, who's going to be the best? And what I really mean is who are you going to jinx into being the worst? So before we get started tonight, uh, take a few minutes to recollect on your Evan Turner pick and then tell us who is going to be the quote unquote, I'm using air quotes for everyone who doesn't watch, who's going to be the best prospect of the 2022 NBA draft. Let's get it on record so five years from now we can replay it. Well, the Evan Turner pick, he was so dominant in college at Ohio State, and I just loved watching him play. This was back when I thought, like, do-it-all wings were going to be the next thing. Wasn't the case, and he couldn't shoot. Didn't realize that was that important. I couldn't shoot either, so that's probably why I didn't care about it. Um, but that was not that was not my biggest draft mistake. The biggest draft mistake was I was heavy Greg Oden over KD. And I think it was the 07 draft. I think so, yeah. 07 draft. Uh, I just thought Greg Oden was going to be the next thing. Maybe without injuries he would have been, but I, I was heavy, heavy Greg Oden. But this year, the lucky the lucky guy that I'm putting all my money on uh, is Paolo from Duke. Okay. Um, I... I've seen him. I saw him play a couple times. I saw him play against Chet uh, when they played Gonzaga this year, and I thought he out he outplayed him like pretty easily. Uh, and I think he can create his own offense. He's six ten, can step out, uh, can go past people. Uh, I I don't know how the Houston. I think he's going to end up going to Houston uh, with the third pick, uh, and that might be a tough fit for him because um, it's just a bunch of young guys jacking shots. Uh, but I think talent wise. Uh, he's the guy this year. Austin, you are a former Duke alum. How do you feel about Gibby dooming the fate of Palo Bang? I mean, I, I feel more strongly about uh, the podcast host throwing its guest under the bus in the, in the opener. <laughs> that's, that's tough right there. It's exposing Gibby and his high school bad Listen, day. listen, A.V., um, A.V., I didn't, I, bring, I didn't bring him on here to discuss what's going to happen in the future and give out advice. I brought him back to say what's happened because exactly. I know he knows basketball well. I just know he doesn't predict the future too well. Of course, of course. I mean, and, and honestly, I don't watch enough college, even though I'm a dookie to comment on Paolo too much. I'm, I'm really focused on the NBA. Um, so I've been looking at this, this 2017 list more than the 2022 list. But any of the top three picks, it, it seems like people are excited about. Um, and then there might be a bit of a drop off. Okay, so let's, uh, let's segue over to this 2017 NBA draft. I want to talk about two things before. There was two major trades that impacted the fates of a few teams prior to this draft. So let's start with those. A few days leading up to the draft, the Lakers sent the Nets their awful contract in Timothy Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell, former number two pick and now member of the Brooklyn Nets after being sent there in 2017. I know he's not currently, but I'm going back in time. Um, the, the Nets sent out Brooke Lopez and the 27th pick in that draft, which ended up becoming Kyle Kuzma. So that was the starter of kind of the whole Brooklyn, Kenny Atkinson, D'Lo revolution that had a huge impact on them eventually signing Kyrie and KD. So if we go back in time, that was a monumental moment, a Lakers trade. And the second monumental trade revolves around the Lakers being so steadfast 
in taking Lonzo Ball with the number two pick, that this was the draft where the Celtics traded back two picks from the first pick to the third pick, letting the Philadelphia Sixers select Jason, uh, select Markel Fultz. Lakers take Lonzo, and then seven, uh, the, the Celtics secure Jason Tatum and future assets, which was crazy. Even Bronny thinks that was a ridiculous trade. <laughs> I respect Bronny's uh, trade opinion here. <laughs> so, in the wake of those two trades, sorry, quick uh, break to give Bronny a little treat. In the wake of those two trades, guys, and I'll send this one to Austin first, we set up potentially a crazy what-if scenario of what if the 76ers just selected Jason Tatum and ending up pairing Ben Simmons, Tatum, and Embiid all on their rookie deals and super young and potentially setting up the next dynasty. Do you think that's the biggest what-if of the draft? Do you think that's a combination that would have worked together? Or do you have another what-if when you look at this board and say, well, if that had gone differently, the NBA might look very different? I mean, that, that is a huge what-if. The, the whole situation that led to that trade is pretty crazy. The fact that uh, Boston was able to get the, the clear number one guy, I assume we will all have him number one in our draft, um, and able to trade back from their one spot and get more capital. So, so that almost makes me think that even though that is a crazy what-if, because that sounds like an all-star team, even though um, ben Simmons was a little younger. Tatum didn't didn't quite have it his rookie year, but he was still really good when they made that playoff run. I almost think that because Boston was savvy enough to trade back to get Tatum, that they almost knew how good he was, and that there is almost no what if here because Boston was making sure they were getting Tatum. Oh, like so you think they would have just kept the first pick if they knew they weren't going to get Tatum at three, exactly. and we would have ended exactly. up with the same situation. The trade would have never taken place. Do you have another what if? Should we send this to, to Gibby for a potential answer? Yeah, go ahead, Gib. My what if is, what if the Lakers weren't so stuck at number two on drafting Lonzo and took Tatum at two? Now, I don't, I don't think there was any chance that was going to happen, but that would have changed the whole NBA, right? Like, once the Lakers get Tatum... They realize how good he is. They may not be willing to sh- to trade him to New Orleans to get AD, right? So that trade for AD either never happens, or the the pick the people who he sends over for him are completely different, right? So that championship might be they might be not win that the what's it called championship the bubble ship, or they might not have AD. It, it would completely change the NBA. The, they might have LeBron. They might have LeBron and Tatum right now. Exactly, right? They could have LeBron, Tatum, and then AD the next year, right? Because AD was going to come regardless when he was a free agent. Um, Maybe Lakers, like, they're like, we're not making this trade. They don't get him. They don't get AD that that year. They get him when he's a free agent the following year. Then you're talking about a dynasty with those three guys, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it's kind of crazy how locked in the Lakers were on Lonzo. I mean, I know he was a, a hometown L.A. boy, grew up there, played college there. Um, but it was, I mean, it was crazy how definitive they were from the jump. You see this year where I feel like people are pretty locked in with like one and two. Nobody is revealing. Like, why Why was Magic out there saying we're definitely taking Lonzo locked in? Like, what was, 
what was I? I agree. That could have been a crazy Lakers situation. Um, I wonder if LeBron thinks about this what if more than we do. Imagine yeah, I mean, if. Go ahead, Giff. I was just going to say, Matt, I mean, Magic running the team. You know, Magic, obviously, the Lakers are great. Yeah. F- family, friend, all that kind of stuff. But. Um, <laughs> he, friend of the pod. Uh, friend of the pod. Um, he, I think he saw Lonzo in himself, right? And so he was like, this is, this is it. This is it. We're going to get a pass first point guard who does it. And then we'll talk about fit later, but like, I don't know if he was, I don't know if that was the right, the right fit. 20 second timeout to talk about how cool Gib is. One time I saw Magic Johnson at a event and I simply went up to him and said, Hey Magic, I know Earl Graves, which is Gibby's real name and his legacy name, his father's name, his grandfather's name. And Magic lights up. My man. And he comes over and he daps me up. Magic brings over the photographer and he's like, get a picture of us. Get a picture of us. <laughs> and he hooked up this moment that was so special to me only because I was like, one of my best friends, his name is Earl Graves. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask Gibby which, uh, which Earl Magic thought you were referring to. He, <laughs> and, uh, Definitely not me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, could have been the grandfather. And in that case, he was ready for sure. That's funny. All right, well, let's let's move on uh, with the draft. Gib, you were talking about fit. One of the things I wanted to talk about before we get into the draft is who ended up being the best fit and who ended up being the worst fit, as in, like, we saw the results of the draft, and maybe if this player had gone to a different situation, we would feel differently. So, Gib, you were saying, I don't know if such and such person is the best fit. Who do you think was the best fit in this draft? Best fit. Um, I have OG. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Ananobi. I have him on my list. Keep going. uh, Ananobi as the best fit. He went to Toronto. uh, And I I know that recently he's been saying um, he wants out. He wants a bigger role. But I feel like he went to Toronto at the right time. And he was able to learn from Kawhi, from DeMar, I think for a year or two. Kyle Lowry was there. He He had a lot of vets. Uh, and he was able to to play his role, which was like to defend and get to the rim. He didn't have to carry such like a huge offensive burden because I don't think that's his skill set. It's he's really you know an athlete, a defender, uh, someone who can finish at the rim, and he was able to thrive in that in that role. Oh, I love. I mean, I love that pick. I think that not only was uh, OG able to to learn so much, like you said, from the coach. The, the vets on the team, Kawhi, the organization, but he fits their system so well too, being that kind of versatile wing defender who can guard and switch everything that, like you said, can contribute on offense, but doesn't need plays run for him. He hits his open shots, he slashes every now and then. I, I think that's a great pick. Um, my other pick that I sort of have here is another piggyback off one of your points. I, my, one of my biggest what ifs and bad situations is what if De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball went to the opposite team there? Because we saw De'Aaron give it to, give it to Lonzo in the, the NCAA tournament. He looked good. They wanted a point guard. And I think that even though Lonzo Ball will have a good back half of his career, whether it was you know, the pressure of playing with LeBron or in his hometown or with his dad right there, whatever it was, it didn't work and they had to panic trade. I think De'Aaron, from like a, a mental mindset perspective at that age, he would have been ready. Uh, he was going at people, um, the fastest guy in the league when he came in as a rookie. So I, I wonder for both of them if they didn't wind up in the cities they did. I don't know that the, you know, the other city would have been such a perfect fit for either. 
But I think that both of their teams did not maximize their first, you know, five years now. I'll say this. I'm over here taking notes right now because if this man just said he might have De'Aaron Fox or insinuated he might have De'Aaron Fox over Lonzo Ball in this redraft, that might change my order a little bit too. Um, Let's talk. I wanted to just quickly share my best fit. Mine was Donovan. Mine was Donovan Mitchell to the Jazz, uh, 13th pick. He joined a team that already had Rudy Gobert and uh, Favors, a good defensive line behind him. They had other guys like Royce O'Neal, Thabo, um, Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder. I'm looking at the roster now. A lot of wing defenders, which allowed Donovan to be a primary scorer and have some of his mishaps on the defensive end end up being so um, covered up. So I remember that was the season that Donovan was campaigning for Rookie of the Year, and he would have been the clear Rookie of the Year from this draft class because he went to such a good fit. However, it was Ben Simmons coming off the injury, being that, you know, he's not actually a rookie. And Ben Simmons won Rookie of the Year, even though he wasn't drafted in this draft class. But I think Donovan went to the perfect situation. It's a very questionable situation for him now. But at the time, the perfect situation ended up being a great fit. Uh, Austin, do you have a worst fit for us? I, I mean, I got I to gotta respond to your best fit first because he's actually my biggest overperformer because of how good his fit was there. There would have been almost no other situation in the league where you would have been both on a good team and been the go-to guy on offense. No one else was giving a Donovan Mitchell the keys like that offensively. Um, the shooters around him defensively with Gobert, I, I, think, that's, I think that's a great pick. My, my uh, biggest uh, – what do you want? My, my worst situation? Yeah, worst fit. Yeah, my, my worst fit was a, was a tie between De'Aaron and Lonzo. So I oh, had okay, that's what you were saying. And OG I had also in my best fit situation. Um, Gib, yeah. Gib, do you have a worst fit that you want to comment on? I had a couple of worst fits. Um, Jonathan Isaac – in Orlando, yeah. Um, I, I still he's someone I still have hope for that we can get into later. I just think Orlando they haven't been able to develop um, talent uh, that well the past like ten years ever since Dwight. Like, could you imagine if Isaac goes to Miami, right? Like, who's known for developing talent, big talent? You're learning from Spo and from Pat Riley. He could have, he could be something like could have been something super special, uh, so I thought that was a bad fit. Um, and then shout out to 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 my Knicks, Frankie Smokes. <laughs> Frankie, uh, it, it just it was it was doomed from the start, right? It just like <laughs> it was never gonna work, right? Um, you must have you must have loved Neil Aquino, That means <laughs> <laughs> he yeah he well I did you know because I was watching the playoffs this year right like with the Mavs like. He like he's an elite defender, offensively very challenged, but an elite defender, right? Yep. Uh, if he could have like a you know if he can develop the three point shot to be what thirty five percent you know on his attempts, you could you could play him in a playoff game off ball, shut down defender type. Uh, so I, I haven't given up on him either. And the last worst fit, and I don't know if he's a bust or just a bad fit, but was Dennis Smith Jr. when he went to Dallas, like. I remember when he was at NC State, there was so much hype, and I loved watching him play. I thought he was great. And then Dallas, like, I don't know. I don't know if he just, like, didn't develop or what happened there, but it, it didn't work. And he might be more of a bust because he hasn't worked anywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, b- both of those uh, I think are interesting because I have Jonathan Isaac as my biggest unknown right now because we've hardly seen him play between injuries and just being on a repeatedly bad or tanking team. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. I actually have as my biggest bust. I was the, the highest on him of any guard maybe. I love the way he played in NC State. Felt like that's a situation because their team isn't great that you know, you never know. It could be John Morant style where, where just because he didn't play that great competition, it's hard to tell. And he's he was great, so athletic, could score. Um, I loved his game. I remember LeBron said that the Knicks should have taken him over over our boy Frankie Smokes. Um, and, of course, he, he has the best tweet of all time. Uh, I don't even have a Twitter account, and I, I still think about his tweet maybe once a month. I'm probably going to butcher it here, but it was something along the lines of <laughs> everybody – has God-given talents, and mine just so happens to be slanging this here wood in my pants. <laughs> and that will be immortalized on the internet forever. Can't do anything about that. Pulling out some J.R. Smith uh, instincts in himself. Can I, can I add one more uh, fit uh, one that I, that, Absolutely. I, that I have here? And this is because I love his game, and I loved him in college, is Malik Monk. So he was drafted by Charlotte. Um, I'm just looking at his stats now. His last year in Charlotte, or two, his second last year in Charlotte, he shot 28% from three. This year in the Lakers and the, and the year after, he shot 40, right? So, like, Charlotte had some, some very weird years where they were utilizing him incorrectly. Watching him on the Lakers, he's a legit, like, he could be a six-man Jamal Crawford type of player on a contending team. Um, I just and I and I love his game. I love he just he's a straight bucket getter, uh, and I think Charlotte was like one of the worst places he could have gone. Um, and you you saw him kind of thriving in L.A., also in a terrible situation. All right, I'm, I'll quickly throw in my worst fit. My worst fit was uh, Justin Jackson. He went to the Suns right before the Suns started to take off. I think he was with like the Dragon Benger Goron uh, Suns era. And that just did not go well. Similar to what Gibby said, like, imagine if he had gone to the Heat. And, like, if we think about who the Heat got in this draft, it was Bam Adebayo at 14, who they developed incredibly well. So I just think maybe if Justin Jackson had gone to a different situation, if you look back at the draft consensus guides, Josh Jackson or Josh Jackson is the number one prospect. Wow. He is above Fultz. He is above Lonzo. He's above Tatum. And I looked at his player comps today, and it said – between Kawhi and Jimmy Butler. And I was like, oh, man, something went wrong there. Is he so yeah, good? I mean, I'm, I'm surprised on those comps just because of the one thing I remember about Justin Jackson is how kind of frail he was. Um, so I, I don't know if the, he would have been able to turn him into a Bam Adebayo, who I, uh, I think was a perfect fit. You could have an argument for the best possible fit out of anyone. Um, obviously, he contributed to that a lot, but... Um, what he was able to learn there and what they asked from him from a winning team is pretty ideal. All right, my last uh, question for you guys before we get into the nitty-gritty and do the redraft is who's the Kyle Lowry of this draft? And by that I mean who's the late bloomer? Who's the player that maybe hasn't put it together yet but you still aren't giving up on them? The reason why I use Kyle Lowry is not because I'm asking who's the biggest flopper amongst the draft. (laughs) I'm asking... Who's the late bloomer? Lowry didn't get to the All-Star game, his first All-Star game, until his ninth season in the league. He was drafted in 2006. His first All-Star game was in 2015. 
He's now projected to be a Hall of Famer. He's now a six-time All-Star and a champion. So who might we're, – we're five years out and, you know, took Lowry nine. Who might bloom in a few years? And is that player that you still haven't given up on? Gib, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, I've mentioned mine already, but it's, it's Jonathan Isaac. Um, I think he's got a, sh- a shot to, to be an All-Star in the league. Um, I don't know if it will be with Orlando – he might need to go to a different situation, but he's he's still you know six ten six eleven great athlete can shoot can get buckets and is a defender. Um, I just feel like those are all of the ingredients you know that like at twenty what is and he came in what at nineteen he came from Florida State one year in the league. Um, Jonathan Isaac would have to be my pick. One one person I wish it was and this is awesome. This is a, another Dukey. I wish it was Harry Giles. I just think mm. injuries, like he can't, he can't get past yeah. it. Because I mean, he was not, he was the guy when going to Duke. He was the big recruit, not Tatum. Exactly. It, was, it yep. was Giles, and I and I, I wish it was Giles, but I, he, he, he just can't, he can't stay healthy. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that one just because we've seen so little from Jonathan Isaac, and just with like the frame and what he's able to do, so much upside. I, I have Josh Hart as one of mine. Um, I got a, I got a few here. I'll, I'll try and go through more quickly. But I like Josh Hart. I think that, especially from watching these playoffs, you have a big guard that's versatile, can defend, rebound, hit open shots. He could he could be on a winning team. He I don't know if the Blazers are that winning team yet, but he could be on a winning team. Um, I also have uh, I have Laurie Markkinen. So I, I don't think he's had a good start to his career. But this three big lineup this year looked to work a little bit. He can shoot. Maybe he's going to learn some things from Kevin Love. That's not a terrible kind of comp or, or vet to look to there. So I I have the, I have kind of all of them there. And then we've talked about Lonzo. I just don't think his fit was great. And I think from what he can give you uh, defensively, high shooting percentage, changed his shot. He could have a nice back half of his career. I'm going to go with uh, John Collins. He's been talked about a lot in trade rumors the last few years. I think what Collins is missing is just a step up in rebounding and rim protection. And if he could do that, he could space the floor. He's athletic. He's got incredible bounce. If he can be a top-notch rim protector, he's looking at a lot of all-star games, uh, being able to be a 2010-2 kind of guy, uh, being an integral piece to a playoff team. He hasn't been able to do that yet, which is why the Hawks are – keeping him at the power forward and feel like they need Clint Capella or um, I forgot their, their young Okongwu behind at center and they keep Collins at the four. But if Collins could unlock that part of his game to start playing the five more regularly, I think he's a guy who we might be saying in 10 years from now could be a potential hall of famer. Let's jump into starting the NBA draft, restarting the NBA draft rather. Um, Gibby, we're going to give you the first pick. You Thank have God. been on the pod. You have been on the pod twice, so you are the the closest to a rookie on the pod, and therefore, in this rookie draft, you will get the first pick. Who are you taking with one? Um, I think we might all have the same one here, but it's Jason Tatum. Oh yeah. Um, first team All NBA this year. Disappointing finals, but I think consensus top fifteen player, fifteen player in the league. Some might have him higher. Um, and I don't think anyone else in the draft is of that caliber, uh, in my opinion. Um, and I think he's a special talent. So I'm going with Jason Tatum. AV, second pick to you. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm happy I got the second pick because I think that there are very few people who wouldn't just go Donovan Mitchell, no explanation, and move on. Because uh, I, I do think that value in the league to be able to build your team around someone like that, he is the pick. If I'm a winning organization, and not just the Heat because he is a perfect fit with the Heat, if I'm a winning organization and I'm playing in the playoffs, knowing the versatility of Bam Adebayo and what he gives you from the, the big position um, – and not just, you know, a superstar who would be big for selling tickets and for your market. And if you don't have one of those, you're screwed. Um, my pick is Bam Adebayo with the wild card second pick. Love it. Um, definitely, I had Donovan, too. Of Gib, where did where, where did you have the, the Bam-Donovan combo? Who did you have, too? I had Bam. Wow. I, wow. I, saw you, I saw you shaking your head. So I was like, Kibby's on the same page, even though I'm, I'm the one that's different. Let me ask you guys a question before we, before I take my pick, before I take Donovan Mitchell. Um, is, this a, is this a snake draft and are we building yes. teams or are we simply, do, are we building our own five? I know we're no, going the first 15. Pick. We got to go with the best. We got to just get the best people in order. This isn't about our little side deers. If we're redrafting, we want to say they got it wrong. This is how it should be. All right, and you think we should go snake instead of letting Gibby take four, you take five, I take six, and just keep that order? Every draft I've been is a snake. Yeah, we're snake folk. All right, we're going to be snaking over here. Let Kevin Durant know we got snakes in the grass. All right, I'm going to be taking Donovan Mitchell with my third pick. Pretty self-explanatory. Talked about him a bunch. Don't need to go into more detail. At number four, I'm taking Lonzo Ball. I'm pairing, I'm pairing, if this was a fake team, mm -hmm. I'm pairing, uh, I know you just said don't do that, but he was four on my board <laughs> regardless. Yep. I think Lonzo, uh, I'll, I'll do this without comparing him or pairing him with Donovan. I think Lonzo is the next piece on the board that can impact winning at the highest level by being an elite perimeter defender, by being a transition player, by being switchable on defense, and by really improving his shot since he's been in the league. Um, I think the skies continues to be the limit for Lonzo. I don't expect him to be, you know, a top point guard, but I do expect him to potentially, I think his ceiling is kind of like a Drew Holiday role where he's an amazing combo guard and could be a core piece to a winning situation. I don't think there's any more one, number one options after Tatum, Donovan, and maybe Bam. So now we're looking for winning pieces around them. Lonzo's my pick. We're going back to Austin for number five. I, I love the Lonzo pick, and I love Lonzo because of everything you described as a winner. I do think De'Aaron Fox is still a number one option on the board. I know that Sacramento's a tough place to play, and he hasn't always been efficient. And after taking such a big leap in his second and third year, um, we didn't love what we saw here in, in the fifth year. It was a little bit of a stall, but he finished strong. I'm pumped to get De'Aaron here at, at the five pick because I think that he's in the same tier as Lonzo and there's a bit of a drop-off after this. Gib, before we get to your sixth pick, how do you feel about Lonzo going before De'Aaron? How, how would you have shaken that up? I agree. Um, I, I would go Lonzo ahead of uh, De'Aaron. Um I like Lonzo's defense one, um, and I think his ability to get others involved and make other people better, I, I, I like watching him play um, and how he does that better than De'Aaron. De'Aaron's great. He's really fast, but I feel like he's a little bit too ball dominant, and I don't think if you're winning a ship, are you really winning a ship with De'Aaron as your ball dominant guy? 
Um, and I don't know if that, I don't know if you, if you can. A little disagreement on if he's a one, we should call in the Kings organization right now because it seems like they're going through the exact same thing as we approach the number four pick this year where they need to decide if they want to continue to build around Fox and get more complimentary pieces or take the number four prospect that everyone has, Jaden Ivey, and say, screw best player available. I mean, take best player available. Don't worry about fit when you haven't made the playoffs in like 16 years. Um, Gib, who's your sixth pick? Sixth pick, I'm going Jared Allen. Nice. Um, big year this year. Um, elite rim protector. We saw in the finals this year just how important having rim protection is. You know, Al, Al Horford had some big games. Draymond. Um, and I think, you know, he he had an all-star year. He was an all-star this year. So um, I feel like he, he was the, the next best available. And you have I, – I completely agree with that. You have seven to so just go straight into seven. Who are you taking at seven? So this is where, this is where I thought things get real interesting. Um, this, is, this was the point where I was like, uh, I want to see what everyone has. I'm going Kyle Kuzma. Um, wow. 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 <laughs> we got lucky, A.V. We got lucky. <laughs> well, I'm going Kyle Kuzma. Um, I, one, he's a champion. Um, but no, I, I, I was watching him on the Wizards this year. He, he is a good, he's an underrated playmaker. He's a pretty good rebounder. He can shoot. Now there's times he gets, he thinks he's the best player on the floor at all times. And like any shots, a good shot. But I feel like I'd rather have someone who has the ability that he has and need to slow him down a little bit than someone who doesn't have the ability. Um, and I think he's the most talented guy left on the, uh, left on the board. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love the Jared Allen pick. Kuz is a little high for me, but I think Kuz has a similar issue to what I described with De'Aaron Fox. So it would be hypocritical of me where I think that on a bad team, we've seen they can be really good. Can they be good on a winning team? I, I, I'm not sure yet. Um, so I, I'm going to go ahead and now this is, this is tough-ish for me between John Collins and OG and Anubi. I don't think it's close between anyone else than that in like that this tier between the two of them. And I'm a I'm a known John Collins hate, hater, not a hater. Just Mike Fiddle's been telling me for years and years this is a max contract guy, and it's been hard for me to swallow watching so many you know eight point games in the playoffs or or big <clears> moments. So maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna take him, uh, but I should be taking OG. Oh, you are taking Collins. I am. I am. Wow. Okay. This leaves me with OG Ananobi. You just said I was a John Collins guy. Historically, I have been. I just talked about how I think he could be great. I still had OG above John Collins on my board. So I am very happy to be securing uh, OG at nine. At the, with the 10th pick, just to list some names that are left, we got Josh Hart. Derek White, Dylan Brooks, Monte Morris. If we want to talk about some bigs, Isaiah Hartenstein, Thomas Bryant, Chris Boucher, undrafted free agent, Markel Fultz, the number one pick in the draft, still available. I am going to go with Josh Hart. Mm, uh, I was hoping he'd fall Similar to if, if, if we are making teams, if I have Lonzo, I immediately know I got great chemistry because I got Hart and Lonzo back together and they're best friends. I also have surrounding 
Donovan Mitchell with perimeter defense. And so I just think perimeter defense, if we've watched these NBA playoffs, it's wings, 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 find three and D guys, get guys who can rebound out of position. Austin, I mean, you were the biggest Wiggins supporter going into this NBA finals and the rebounding is where he made his butter. Boardman gets paid. I'm going Josh Hart. Yeah, I think my uh, my Wiggins plus nine thousand to lead in, in rebounds is the the best uh, bet that I've I've shouted out on your show. So feel free to. It's the best. It's the best bet that this podcast will give out for the next three years at least. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. You, to hit, be. you hit like an eighty to one or ninety to one. It's crazy. Honored to be a part of that moment. Um, so yeah, I, I love the Josh Hart pick. I I here's who who I'm thinking about. It's between Monte Morris and Derek White for me. I want to go Monte because I feel like he's so underrated. What he's doing in Denver, obviously Jokic gets a lot of credit as the point center, and so you think, oh, they don't really have a point guard. This guy can play. I've seen him in some some play in and playoff series where where he balls. Um, I, I like Derek White too. I know we saw an extended run from him. Um, in the uh, in the finals run because they they needed him and it was so many games. I like his game, but I'm going I'm going Monte Morris, ignoring the fact that we're we're building teams because you know that's not what we're doing. <laughs> I know it is not what we're doing, but my squad happens to be coming together quite I'm nicely. I'm happy for you, um, Gib. You have the next two. I think this is becomes what uh, a, a twelve and thirteen. Who you got twelve and thirteen? Um, I am taking Lloyd Markkinen. Uh, I think he can stretch the floor. He's a big, he's, he's a little streaky. Um, but when he's on, he's firing. Um, he's had some, he had some big games for the Cavs this year. Uh, I think in the, the playing game, was he like, didn't he have a huge playing game if I'm remembering correctly? Um, yeah, he was balling. He hit like five threes. And, and if he can step up in those kind of moments, uh, I want to have him on my team. So I'm going uh, marketing uh, with my pick there. Um, the next pick, uh, I'm going with the guy that I'm going. Can I do this based off who I think is going to be great over the next three years? Or yeah, that's what we're doing. That's okay. what we're doing. We're, we're drafting forward. Okay, we're drafting forward. I'm going Jonathan Isaac. Yeah. I talked all about Jonathan yep. Isaac before. It was my pick. I'm I'm going John Isaac. Yeah, Not a humongous team, but you know I love it. I mean that that's the future that that length, and we haven't seen anything from him, so the potential is there. I I want to go potential on my on my last pick too, so I'm going Markel Fultz. I I know that it is such a big unknown, and and, it, and that makes it a risk, but it's the last pick in our draft. I know it's 15. Uh, I mean, 14, second to last pick. He he could still do things. He got hurt again, unfortunately. Different situation, not the shoulder or whatever the mental part was too. Um, but people said who had played with him and, and worked out with him said he was ready. Um, he was on J.J. Reddick's podcast just as he was playing well at the beginning of that Orlando season. Was that the beginning of last season? Was it two seasons ago? Um, not sure. I think it was two seasons ago. Um, and he looked good. I, I hope for him that, that he has a good back half of his career. I like that one. I w- it's hard to leave Fultz off the board. Definitely Jonathan Isaac. It's funny that those two guys are on the same team now, and they also have the number one pick this year. So they have – If I was thinking about which teams have two number one picks, and it's funny to think that the Magic's two number one picks are going to be Fultz and probably Jabari. Um, and Dwight you know, Jack. Yeah, no, no, no. There's plenty of them. Like AD and LeBron right now. 
Um, there, there's quite a few examples, and oh, but they're normally the same team right now, not like oh, ex- exactly. So you normally have situations where it's like, or Kyrie and LeBron was another yep. one, uh, LeBron, and so like, oh, you're normally looking at situations where like that's a championship contending team. With Orlando, we got two number one picks, and it's Fultz and probably Jabari. We're recording this before, but it'll be posted after. Um, with the last pick in the 2017 NBA redraft from us three. I'm going with a big, I'm going Thomas Bryant. He's had health issues, but he's an elite rim protector. So similar to the Jared Allen pick earlier, I'm hoping that I just got a guy who might finish with 60% field goals because he dunks 90% of the time he shoots. Um, He's getting two blocks a game, 10 rebounds a game, and giving me 25 good defensive minutes. He's a body that can play important minutes in the playoffs in certain matchups, and also a guy who I wouldn't mind throwing at the end of the bench in other playoff matchups because he just doesn't fit. But I do think he could have an important role. You need a center in today's NBA for some regular season, like just to get through the grind. To de- They say defense travels well throughout the regular season. So a guy like Thomas Bryant gets me to the playoffs and then plays situationally once my team is in the playoffs. Uh, That wraps up the draft. I do want to say one other thing before we go. Um, the, the, The player that I think who did not get mentioned, who definitely deserves a shout out, is Dylan Brooks. Yes. This is a second-round pick, 45th pick overall, selected by Houston, eventually traded to where he's now, the Memphis Grizzlies, which is the perfect fit for him. Um, He's been a guy who's averaged 20 points at last season. He was hurt this season, but he is a bucket getter. He is a good wing defender. I am pretty surprised that Dylan Brooks did not go in this draft. I definitely thought he would. Um, At the end of the day, I just wanted to mention his name because he's a surprisingly outperformer in this draft. Anyone else that you guys want to mention before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned him because I had him and Malik Monk. Who'd you have, Gib? Um, One that we haven't talked about much. um, Actually, I have two guys. One is Luke Kennard. Mm. Um, I I really like Luke Kennard's game uh, for the Clippers. He can be, you know, first guy off the bench that you need to get buckets. Uh, he can kind of create offense on his own. He's a playmaker, but he, he can also play off the ball. So if you have another ball handler, he's a great spot-up shooter. Um, defensively, uh, you know, I don't know how great he is. I, I haven't really paid attention to that. But, you know, he's a, he's a great offensive player. And then the other one is Zach Collins uh, on San Antonio now. Um, I think he's a, he's a serviceable big. He's a good athlete, played for Gonzaga, um, when he was with San Antonio, there's a couple games where I thought he contributed uh, and can do some big things. So those are the two guys, other than the ones that you mentioned, who I had um, on my list as t- you know potentially to draft. Av, did you have one that you want to mention? Did I? Yeah, I just said mine quickly. Malik Monk was mine. Um, I, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. who he goes ahead of specifically, but I think he has potential. I'm surprised that he didn't even get brought up really in the consideration for the last pick. All right, well, I think that wraps up our 2017 NBA redraft. I think it's very clear to say after we had Fultz and Lonzo as the first two picks that what happens on draft night isn't always how it plays out in the future. Sometimes it obviously is. Having the top pick is better than not having the top pick If in terms of getting the prospect that you want and you think is going to be best moving forward. Uh, as someone who's 
seen a lot of NBA draft and you're, if you're listening to this, just go look up who's been the 27th pick in previous NBA drafts. It was Kyle Kuzma in this one. And there's a lot of drafts where the 27th pick is actually an amazing player. So I would look forward to who's going to be the 2022 27th pick. And maybe that guy becomes a stud. Uh, thank you guys for joining me today. I appreciate it. We will be back plenty soon. I think this crew is going to do a, an episode next week or two weeks from now talking about the most influential voices of the NBA. So when you hear this person talking, you think, oh, I need to listen and this is going to be important or I identify NBA whenever I hear this person. So we will have the Gib and Austin crew back together soon and we will be back on The Advantage shortly. Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you both soon. Oh, 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 oh,